Welcome back to the studio. We are here with another podcast episode of the Rebel Alliance Media. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Chris. You have Chris and Nate in the studio. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. I'm having a really good day. Yeah? Yeah. How's your week been? Uh, it's been good. I got a new job. I don't know if... Nice. Uh, I guess I'm just telling everyone on the podcast that I got a new job with long hours, but it still allows us to do Rebel Alliance, which I'm jacked about. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's the important piece. But... It's, it's, we record, I don't know if people know this, we record on Friday afternoons and I'm just having a good day. Yeah, it is a good day. Now it's a good day, but, uh, I, I do have something to rant about. Oh no. Yeah, no. Um, and actually this goes back to an early episode we had, we had our friend Drew Fess on (laughs) and one of your opening questions I think was, uh, what theologian are you having lunch with? And we all had our very reformed answers, and he had a less than reformed answer, um, but uh, he, he had, had good reasoning answer. for it. <laughs> he had good reasoning for it, but he said that he would have lunch with Eugene Peterson. Now, uh, Eugene Peterson was in the news this week. Yes, he was. He was interviewed, and uh, in his interview, uh, he essentially said that he would not only perform a same-sex wedding. Um, but that his views towards homosexuality and same-sex marriage has changed over his pastorate and that he is now accepting of it. Now, uh, as soon as I heard that, I thought we'd, we'd kind of rant about it on the show a little bit. But since then, he's written a retraction and said that he didn't mean it. Yeah. He, he said uh, from the retraction, that the part that I read is that apparently the interview that like was cited in Christianity Today or what, ever was where they originally came out that the interviewer kind of put him on the spot. And it was like, if you were still a pastor today, what would you say if somebody, a same sex couple asks you to be married? And he kind of thought from like the, pre- because of the Presbyterian churches like affirmed that now he was like, well, I would have to do it. And he wasn't, he didn't realize apparently he was answering the question in the way that would mean that it was that he was affirming it. That's his retraction. Who knows what he actually meant? I personally take it as he didn't like the backlash because it was it, it was, was fairly cons- yeah, it was, was fairly considerable and it was fast. Yeah. Um, so I I took it as more he he didn't realize that he was going to get as much because let's be honest he's been a reti- he's been retired from the pastor for about twenty years right. now. So oh I that long wow. yeah. So he he's not really ever had to deal with this very much in the in his, in a pastoral sense. So I think, I think he was naive in terms of how much this was going to spark. Yeah. I, th- I think he thought more people would be on board with this and well, some of us still read the Bible. So we aren't. <laughs> well, so, and this leads to my thing, you know, you, you, you and I both love Drew Fest. We've had him on the show and, uh, and he, I kind of shot out a tweet saying, you know, that uh, if you still had that lunch date with him, you know, talking about uh, being on the show here, um, there would be more important things to talk about than this particular issue. And and I, I love Drew. Uh, and uh, and in some ways, there are certain things that Eugene Peterson has written that I love as well. Um, my, my fear, I guess, is that um, I think this is a big deal. Right. Like, am I just getting my nose at a joint is like the, the grumpy Calvinist by saying this is a big deal or, or, or what? No, it's, it is a big deal. Um, like I think I, I, in order for you to read the Bible in such a way that makes you think that God is okay with homosexuality, it means that it's, it's, it's a bigger issue than just the homosexuality issue because it comes down to what do you believe about scripture? Is it inerrant? Is it, is it, God breathed? Is it unchanging? Do its values hold up no matter what the cultural landscape looks like? And so the minute you start to say that homosexuality isn't a big big deal, or you start to equivocate on it or, or whatever the case may be, then um, you're essentially talking about how you understand and read scripture. And so your your view of scripture comes to bear. And I think that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's my biggest worry with this is that um, is that he's by, by default, he's saying he doesn't affirm the Bible to be inerrant right. because it is clear what the Bible says about the subject to disagree with it would mean that somebody somewhere has made a mistake in the way we've done, done the whole process, which would mean that he doesn't believe the word of God has, is inerrant any longer. Right or that there's been further revelation or anything like that. And I think that just opens up a whole 
a whole can of worms. Like I couldn't think of a better term than yeah. that, that we, we should never be opening. Right. And, I agree. And that's just, and I, and that was my big thing. It actually leads to a, like an, an, another topic that I kind of want to talk about with you is because we, we often talk about pastors. We like guys, we look up to giants of the faith, as you will, people we based a lot of our theology on people like Jonathan Edwards, yeah. Jonathan, uh, John Kelvin, um, in a more modern sense, John Piper. Yeah. Um, yes, there are things we would say we don't agree with on, him on, but for the majority, these guys, we affirm almost everything they believe. And this opens up a, a real weird thing to think about is like, what happens if, if one of these guys, how do we react as Christians if one of these giants comes out and does this? Like somebody who's more of a mainstream guy than than Eugene Peterson, John MacArthur all of a sudden came out and was like, no, Calvinism is completely wrong. Or well, he's John already Piper. a dispensationalist. So he's, he's out. <laughs> bad example, bad example. Uh, but if John Piper walk, uh, yeah, came yeah. up to no, the, I, to Pulp and said, I was wrong about Christian hedonism. Yeah. I was wrong about t- oh, Tulip. I'm wrong. So, about- so here's what I'd say about it. Number one, um, it depends on the issue, right? So, um, you know, Mark Driscoll is a guy who's, who had a pretty big impact on me his his book uh doctrine where he kind of goes through uh some of some of the big doctrines of the faith and his teaching on calvinism and stuff was some of the stuff that really helped me helped shape my faith and and his kind of like uh, hard-nosed his you know what i mean though his hard-nosed kind of this is what the bible says deal with it like that attitude i need it like i just needed to be hit with it when i was uh in embracing doctrines of grace and then he had his big falling out, right? And that, I, I think, was a sin issue. I don't know all the issues. Uh, I actually was not nearly as harsh with him, uh, in my own mind at least, that as the general Christian community was. I, I don't think it was a, a scandal or anything, but there are probably some issues, pride and things like that in his own heart that he needed to, to root out. And he needed a break from ministry to do that. And, and quite honestly, I think it's more a reflection of churches shouldn't be empires, right? And, and Mars Hill was getting that way. So there, there's a lot going on there. But I say that to say his books are still helpful to me. His, his old sermons were still helpful to me. So I think, you know, we all, we're all imperfect. We're all flawed disciples. And, uh, and so we, uh, we all have our blind spots. And so I don't think, you know, somebody, so Eugene Peterson, um, I, I do have a slightly bigger issue just because it, it, it kind of shows his, I think, his view towards scripture itself, because that's way out of left field. So I think within the realm of orthodoxy, right? So if, if you, you, the example you used was Piper denounced Calvinism, which <laughs> like, come on, that's never happened. Never going to happen. But. but if that happened, I mean, I, I don't think that you would just, you know, burn all his books and throw out everything that he's ever taught. Number one, because he used to be right about it. So, so all his stuff, all his stuff espousing Calvinism would still be good. But, uh, but I don't think that's, I mean, if, if, if he or somebody else came out and, and denied the Trinity, right, or, or uh, penal substitutionary atonement or something like that, then I, I think that's a bigger issue. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be helped by their earlier works. So I, I think, and, and I have a slightly different view on this just because I'm a pastor. I read everything. I read, I read Rob Bell, not because I think he's good, but because I want to know what's out there. I read The Shack, not because I, I liked it or because there was anything good in it, because I wanted to know what my people were reading so I knew how to tell them not to read it, right? So uh, I think you can still be helped by books. I read, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis, and, and he had some whack ideas about scripture. So uh, if, you, if you can read it discerningly, I would say you can still read some of these guys and still get a lot of help from them, but I think you need to uh, you need to have an anchor before you do that. So I wouldn't give a new Christian something that they need to be discerning about. I love N.T. Wright, but I'm not putting N.T. Wright books into people's hands who don't have a good, firm, reformed foundation. Because as much as I like him on certain things like the kingship and lordship of Christ, I don't like him on his views of justification, yeah. which is a big big deal big deal yeah I, I i feel the same actually i think it's just an important thing to remember to keep keep pastors keep giant pastors the giants of our faith in the proper perspective yeah as much as we love and affirm a lot of what these guys do they're still wretched sinners who struggle with things the same as we do yeah um they're they're farther along in their walk sometimes have a great a much deeper grasp of things theologically that can teach us, but 
there is the potential that they still will make mistakes because they aren't inspired word. Right. Which is why we must judge everything we read, like you said, by the word of God. Amen. And, uh, and, and not make idols out of uh, our heroes of the faith. Um, I would just point people back. It's our, our episode number 10. It's called Lightsaber of the Spirit. That was a good name. That's, that's a great good, name. Uh, I think our name. names have gotten worse. Yeah. And that's my fault. I, I feel like the quality's gotten better and the, the titles have gotten worse. I, 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 anyway. I, I don't like going back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but episode 10, uh, it is uh, our, our episode on the Bible and inerrancy and sufficiency of scripture. And uh, if anybody wants to delve into that, you can go back and listen to that past episode. Uh, but that was, that was heavier than our opening conversations usually get. Yeah. So, I, so let's get back on track well, here. You, you all of a sudden said you wanted to rant. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, have at it. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so anyway, I guess welcome after that 10 minute <laughs> rant uh, to Rebel Alliance. We're so glad you're joining us again. And we just want to remind all of our listeners, if you are listening to us on iTunes, uh, review us, give us five star rating. Uh, that just helps us get found on iTunes. If you are listening to this on Facebook or you see our posts on Facebook, please hit the like button, share them onto your feed. It's a way for uh, the Rebels content to get in front of new listeners. And that's what we want. Yeah. And we are now proud members of the Berean Media Network um, with Two Thieves Podcast, the Front Pew Podcast, and the Layman's Cup. And we are very happy to be members of that society, if you will. Society makes it sound I, like a secret. Uh, I was I was hoping I was hoping <laughs> we get like little like symbols under our watches, like the skulls. I don't mm, know. Mm. Have you ever seen that movie? I Well, we're not in, in like we're in, but I mean, it might take some time before we get into the the real secrets going on. We're still in the hazing. Yeah, we're still in the hazing. So (laughs) speaking of the Berean Media Network, Chris, uh, I have a surprise for you. Our friend Justin from the Two Thieves podcast is going to come on the show. Uh, Part of our new segment, uh, Meet Our Friends, Meet Our New Friends, uh, whatever you want to call it. Sounds like something Mr. Dressup or Mr. Rogers would have done, but um, Meet Our New Friends. So Justin's actually going to call into the show and tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on with the two thieves, who they are, and try to get our listeners uh, acquainted with uh, who the thieves are. Great name, eh? Two Thieves? Great name. I, I'm so jealous of it, to be yeah, honest with you. I know. I, I hear you. All right. Well, here's uh, here's Justin uh, coming on to tell us a little bit about the Thieves. Hey, Justin. How's it going, man? Going well, guys. Good to be on here with you. It's awesome to be joined by our friend uh, Justin Lockhart from the Two Thieves. And I got to say, you're you're actually the first guy from the Berean Media Network that I uh, interacted with. So you're, you're literally my first friend in the BMN. No, that's that's right. I remember I remember those email exchanges and kind of uh, some inquiries on how to get in this thing we call podcasting. So it's it's good to finally be partnered up with you and and uh, move this thing forward and and spread good gospel centered content. Well, and honestly, man, like when we were just looking for some podcasts to kind of uh, model ourselves after a little bit and and just get edified and and just see what the potential was in this sort of a platform. Uh, what you and Brandon are doing was just awesome. It was one of the first ones that we really resonated with the content you were putting out. And uh, so what you guys are doing is awesome. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm glad we can be good examples sometimes, you know. Uh, <laughs> so no, I appreciate that. And and for us, for us, it was really, really developing uh, reformed thought with ourselves and throughout our church and, and just trying to look at every area of culture and every sphere of society through a biblical Christian worldview. That's, that's what drove us to some of our first discussions among others, but that was the main goal for us. And, and hopefully we've done that well and we continue to grow and mature in that and uh, encourage as many people as we can to have that type of reformed thinking uh, to get back to scripture and be reformed through the scriptures. Well, I appreciate, I mean, we, we obviously we share a love for Reformed theology, but I love that you guys always bring that back to uh, the main the main thing about being Reformed is the uh, willingness to be Reformed by the Scriptures. Sure. So I appreciate that. And and so you kind of gave a bit of a way of introduction, but I mean, what was the, what were the first conversations like between you and Brandon? Like, who said first, hey, we should do a podcast? How, tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, so it was, it was a very... Uh, connected story because one of the first things that we heard what were the laymen so we had actually heard the laymen just as two other laymen that are trying to find you know reformed theological podcast or 
our biblical Christian podcast and the layman came up and we listened to a few episodes and we kind of looked at each other and like, I, I think we could probably put out something similar, um, bring our own perspective to it. Uh, we were dealing with, we always deal with stuff inside of our city. So we live in the St. Louis metro area and we always deal with stuff inside of our city, which is very heavy in the word of faith, uh, prosperity, gospel, extreme charismatic movement. And so we're always battling that. So some of our first podcasts, if you go back and listen, we're kind of dealing and wrestling with some of those theological topics and bringing forth a true Christian worldview of what the scriptures say on on the gifts of the Spirit and what the scriptures say about uh, uh, Jesus Christ, his person, his nature, his ministry, like Christology. One of the areas I think you'll find most uh, off when you get into word of faith and and heavy charismatic is their Christology is way off. That's like the where they miss the yeah. mark uh, the most. Yeah. So all those things we're wrestling with, and we're like, man, our city needs reformed. Uh, our city needs to be reformed through the scriptures. So let's try to bring this as a focus to what we're dealing with, what we're wrestling with inside of our church, inside of our city, in hopes that it encourages people to to and drives people back to the Word of God. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So, um, I mean, in terms of uh, just fruit that you guys have seen, have you, uh, I mean, what are you hoping that this podcast, I guess, accomplishes? I mean, you said you, you're looking for kind of reform within your city, um, but what fruit have you seen either in your own lives or in, uh, in terms of the reach of the podcast? So in, in our first episode, you know, I think we entitled like the what, the what of the podcast or the how of this podcast. We had like a narrow and a broad view. And our narrow view was was our city, and and the fruits that we've seen from that are are, are I think plentiful. I mean, we've seen people in our own family uh, adopt more of a reformed theological perspective, where they're being challenged by us and driving back into scripture and and uh, letting go of maybe uh, some of the cliche things in Christianity about about choosing Christ and and walking down the aisle and saying the sinner's prayer and all these things that continue to come up in those circles. We've had people kind of understand that, man, there's a lot more to this than some of those yeah. superficial cliche sayings. So we've had some impact inside of inside of our family, inside of some family churches that we're con- connected with. But we also did have a broad impact, and that broad impact was connecting with other Reformed brothers uh, and maybe connecting with, with another network to continue to push this gospel further than just our city. And I think what yeah. we're putting together in the B&M is a testament to that. Uh, we've connected with, with you guys and the layman. We've had other side conversations with uh, Tony Arsenal and his pod, his podcast and, the, and Matt Butts and the Reformed Outlook and like these people that are just uh, kind of walking lockstep with the same theological camp. We're off, you know, we all have our blind spots. We're all off somewhere, obviously. But it was good to really grow relationships, and now that this B&M group is growing with you guys in the front pew, it makes it even more exciting to see where we can where we can take this thing. And as you guys said, how how can this small little podcast potentially affect the world in, in major ways? So we'll see. Yeah. Wonderful, Justin. I just curious to how how you got into like you said, St. Louis is really prosperity gospel, word of faith movement area how did you get into reformed theology yourself like where was your journey like it's a great that's a great that's a great story uh, great story for me it might be it might be boring as all get out for you guys but um <laughs> so i had moved i had moved to so i come from a mildly charismatic church that's the best that's the best that mildly I, that i can it. describe it right we weren't we weren't jumping up and down we weren't dancing in the aisles the gifts of the spirit as far as tongues and things like that were were sporadic, but they were there. So mildly charismatic. And we always stayed surface level. Uh, you know, uh, we always stayed very surface level, a couple key scriptures. And we, we did definitely did not do expositional preaching. That was, that was unheard of in the church, more topical and more, uh, a guy standing up from behind the pulpit and saying what's on his heart. We've heard that, right? Yep. Um, so that's my influence and that's my background. And then for, for my job, I had moved to Southern California for a couple of years. And as I'm working inside of uh, this manufacturing plant in Southern California, I came across one of our plant guys um, who was reformed. And we wanted to start a Bible study together in the, in the mornings before, before we got into our day. And he begins challenging me in, 
in my thinking, right? He starts, he starts challenging me in regards to soteriology and how exactly, so how exactly do you think we are saved by grace through faith? How do you see that working out? And in some of the questions that he's coming to me with, I don't have answers for. I mean, my, I always describe my theological base was we all have, we're all theological. I mean, Doug Wilson says it should be dripping from our fingertips. We're all theological, but my theological base was the equivalent of jello, right? If you pin me up against the wall on a topic, I was just going to slide down and try to get my way out of it. So this, right. so this guy was doing that, and I always describe it as opening up Pandora's box. Once you open it up, you can't shut it. You can't put the things back in there. So we start talking about Calvin and his institutes, and we start talking and walking through the Westminster Confession because he was a confessional guy at the Presbyterian Church. And that slowly took my journey into probably more of a young, restless, and reformed. Where I held, yep. where I held the tulip and I held to the doctrines of grace, but some of these other uh, true reformed principles, like the regular principle, I didn't quite dive into it. And it wasn't in just till probably the beginning of our podcast journey that my reformed thought and my reformed theology begins to take a fuller shape and more fully orbed reformed theology. Post mill comes in there somewhere down the line, right? Uh, yep. so that was my journey. It was somebody, it was a brother in Christ challenging me to think through the scriptures and asking me very pointed questions that I just could not give an answer for or defend my position. And and I think, and that's why I'm so persistent about saying, man, be, allow the scriptures to reform you. Be open to that reformation, to that change, because I know that, that uh, God was working in my heart so that I was open to that change. Uh, all, to, right. all to his glory and, and definitely for my good. Well, it's such a, that, that's a great story just because it reminds us that, uh, you know, a city full of Christians being Christians at work and challenging the guy on the line next to them. Right. Um, you, you don't know where God's going to take that, right? So here you guys are, you're over 50 episodes into a podcast that's blessing people beyond just your city. Uh, beyond just your country, hey, we're up here in Canada, and uh, and it all started with a guy on the line challenging <laughs> the guy next to him. That's awesome, man. No, it's very very cool. That's absolutely right, and I don't I don't really know, and probably my own fault, how how much he knows of the impact he had on me. I've shot him a couple texts, and and uh, we always share some articles back and forth. But man, he he had a tremendous impact on on my on my journey, and uh, I'm thankful for God that he that he used him as an instrument to to lift up a veil and some blind spots that I, that I had that I think were uh, crippling to, to my walk and my faith. That's awesome. So, I mean, hearing somebody's story always kind of, you know, grows your affection for them. But I'm, I'm a little guarded right now, Justin, because I, I, can't, I can't allow myself to fully fall here until I know where you stand. Uh, t- tell me about Star Wars. What's your Man. relationship like with Star Wars? So... It, probably a probably a non relationship. <laughs> oh man! I heard, I heard Sean last week on your episode, and he brought up Star Trek. I will say, you know, God God bless her soul. My grandmother, who had since passed away over the last few years, I do remember times with her where I watched Star Trek. Uh, I don't know if it was Next Generation. Don't know. I was like seven or eight, but I did. But I was never I was never drawn into. Star Wars. I, I, it wasn't really something my father was into. My uncles weren't into. So I've been, I've been neglected, Nate. So man, oh man. Show me, show me the way. So you know what you need. You need a couple of uh, Canadian brothers to come into your life and teach you uh, exactly, all the wonderful things you've been missing. That is exactly. I, I, I'm open to be reformed in that area. <laughs> nice. Exactly. I there, love it. There's, there's bad news that you don't, you don't have any experience with Star Wars, but there, there's good news for you, Justin. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah, it's we can, we can unpack these things and we can walk you through it. I like just, all eight episodes now. <laughs> I just started to get into, you know, I feel like a, I feel like a, you know, my 15 year old boy coming out in me. I, I just started to rewatch them, some of the Marvel movies over the last yeah. five to seven years. So I feel good in that area and that's something I enjoy. So maybe I'm ready to make that next step. Into, nice. into the galaxy. 
the 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 nerd in you needs to be sanctified a little bit more kind of kind of drawn out yeah. and uh and and we'd love to help play that role in your life justin like, like paul says you start with milk before you get to solid <laughs> yeah, food right sure. so star wars you, is you, the, just, you are the guy so so <laughs> me lead me as you will awesome no before we let you go i do have to ask i have to ask i'm sorry all right how did you get the name two thieves that is Fantastic. I know. We're so, honestly, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's podcast name, but uh, we coveted a lot. So we were wrestling, we were wrestling with some names, uh, some loose ties to like apologetic type names. And it was really just me and him sitting on the couch and going through something. And, and I always go back to, I don't, you can't understand reformed theology. It's systematic in, su- in such a way that if you don't understand total depravity and man's deadness in sin and God's sovereignty over all of that, uh, you're going to miss, you're going to miss the mark nearly, nearly every time. So what better way to demonstrate that than the two thieves on the cross, both depraved, right? Both spiritually dead and one is brought to spiritual life while the other, the scripture doesn't necessarily speak in a way that we know but i would say one is brought to spiritual life and one is 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 there in his deadness uh that's brandon apart right apart from christ that, that yeah that now, now we, leave that, we leave that up to you guys to decide who you think that is <laughs> nice nice all right man it's so good to get to know you a little bit and uh and chat with you uh super excited about everything that's going on with the bmn and uh really excited about your podcast and stuff so before we uh sign off with you why don't you just tell our listeners where they can find you guys and where they can uh subscribe to your content Absolutely. So just a, a few social media platforms. You can find us on Two Thieves Podcast on Facebook. Uh, please share uh, and like and push our content there as well as the other members of the BNM. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Two Thieves. Uh, we do have a designated website, uh, www.twothievespodcast.com. And then and as always, we are on iTunes where you can rate and review amongst many other podcast catchers, I'm, I'm sure. So there's some areas you can go and check check some of our resources out and uh, join the Brian Media Network family. All right, man. Well, uh, we look forward to getting to know you more, sharing a, a, a drink sometime, uh, whether it's a black coffee or a, or a brown beer. Um, or <laughs> don't get me started, man. And uh, and uh, and maybe there's some Star Wars in the future too. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hey, take care, man. See you, Justin. Man, what a great guy Justin is, eh? That's fantastic. We love the thieves. Big fan. Big it fan. was uh, it was a lot of fun uh, being able to be on their show. If you if our listeners haven't checked it out yet, uh, they're doing an eschatology series, and uh, I was on for the uh, the post millennial episode, and it was just a lot of fun. They seem like great guys. Did I did I ever tell you that I was like I was very impressed by that? So I you, was just like like I thought the quality of that episode. I, now, in fairness, the whole eschatology series they've done yeah, has been, been has yeah, been fantastic. Been, yeah, great job. But just the way that episode came across, I thought was top notch. Cool. Well done, my friend. Ah, thanks. I uh, they had Sam Storms on uh, for the Amil episode just a, a a week or two before, so like I felt like I had to bring my my top notch game because Sam Storms is way smarter than I am, mm. way more intelligent than I am, way more articulate than I am. But I just happened to be right <laughs> on this particular topic is that arrogant to say i think it's arrogant to say but yeah. I, I agree with you uh, but i disagree with the fact that you think he's way smarter um dude, so it's sam storms he is sam storms but like don't sell yourself short wow mm-hmm. um what are we talking about today what what's our episode about here uh, today oh yeah we actually have a content yeah to we do, do have ourselves. content yeah um we are gonna talk about anxiety and this is actually another question that came in uh, from our listeners. So our listeners, uh, we love hearing from you. We love hearing about topics that would help you in your Christian faith. We are trying to equip Christians to engage culture with the biblical worldview. And so uh, whether we're talking about prayer or devotions or today worry and anxiety, um, helping you combat these things and helping you practically in your Christian life is the best way that we can equip you to engage the world with a biblical worldview. So keep the suggestions coming because we want this to be relevant and helpful to you. Uh, so our question came in just asking about how to uh, deal with and how to cope with and how to overcome particularly uh, worry and anxiety. Yeah. So. I think, and I just want to reiterate the point, like we take your questions seriously and when you send them to us, we will get to them either on a video, a Q and a, or we'll do a whole podcast about it. If we think there's enough 
to talk about in that subject. Um, because working through some of these things is, is really just putting theology in practice. And that's a lot of what we try to do here is just take what we think we know and putting into practical day-to-day lives, how we can we live this out? And that's what I think this podcast is, exists for. So anxiety. So I'll be right out front. I'm not a worrier. This is not something I, I overly struggle with. Thankfully, yeah. I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't generally get anxious in the way of like, in terms of a negative way. Sometimes I get excited about something or like, um, nervous isn't the right word, but like, like geared up for like, you know, worship on Sundays or when I'm preaching, but that's not a negative anxiety. It's more right. of an excited assignment. This is not something I struggle with naturally. So I, I apologize in advance if I don't give it the, the weight that it should. That I, I think that's fair. I would say, I don't think I'm naturally prone to worry either, oh but, I, but I would also say that, um, because of some of the things that have happened in, in our lives and, and because of, um, you know, some of the, the very real stresses that are involved in ministry and having kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that, uh, I have obviously dealt with fear and worry and anxiety. I would say this though, it's not just that I, I don't naturally struggle with this. It's that I naturally cope with it the wrong way. So I would say I, I don't struggle with worry and anxiety, but I don't struggle with it because I can compartmentalize quite well, right? So if, if there is something that's n- nagging at me, there is something that I, I could be worrying about, I just compartmentalize, I just shove it away and I don't think about it. Yeah, you go but, too far the other way. Right, and so I would, I would say, say that, same. I would say like, that's not what the Bible says <laughs> in terms of, it doesn't, so, so if you are listening to this and you struggle with anxiety and worry, um, that's not what we're going to tell you to do. We're not going to tell you, well, just stop worrying. <laughs> we're not going to say, well, just shove it and don't think about it. I think the Bible actually has really, really practical advice for how to overcome worry and anxiety. Um, so uh, let's just, I guess, jump right into it. Uh, I think that the place to go, and I would encourage you, uh, you, you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, or yeah, Second Corinthians chapter one talks about God of all comfort, who comforts you in your affliction and, and that kind of stuff. You can go to Philippians chapter four. There, there are some places Six to go, but I think the place to go, and this is where we'll spend our time giving you some, some biblical advice to help you think biblically about this topic of worry and anxiety, is Matthew chapter six. So, uh, Chris, uh, I think you have ready to read there verses 25 to 34. I do. Do you want to read it right through or do you want to uh, comment on it as we go? What would you prefer? Eh, just stop me whenever you want to talk. Okay. Be warned. You you gave me permission to interrupt. I know. I, I immediately <laughs> regretted that. But since I don't worry, I was like, oh, just let it go. No, just let it. Nice. Compartmentalized. Yeah. And continue. No, just let nice. it. Nice. Okay, go for it. Matthew six twenty five. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not, is li- ah, sorry. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Okay. So um, it's interesting. So I don't know what uh, our listener who asked this question and some of our other listeners who might struggle with worry and anxiety and fear. um, I'm not quite sure what it is that they're worrying about. But let's just take a second to acknowledge that there are a lot of things in life that can cause us anxiety and worry and fear, right? Um, For some of us, it might be worrying over finances. For some of us, it might be worrying over the safety of our kids or about relationships or about um, our our jobs or about uh, all kinds of different things, right? We might be masked with or uh, just overcome with uh, insecurities. And so our worry and anxiety is that other people will see the things, the flaws that we have, like whatever it is, we just want to take a second and, and have our listeners take a second. You know what that thing is. You know what it is that you are are struggling with, the things that cause you to worry and stay up at night and the things that occupy your mind and and make you full of anxiety. So um, so the first thing I want to say that Jesus says is he says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So, uh, you know, this is a command from Scripture. Anxiety, the first thing I think we really need to recognize is worry and anxiety is sin. It's, It's not... 
uh, uh, something that God allows us to keep into our life. So I appreciate the question of our listener, how do I overcome anxiety and worry? Uh, Well, one of the first things you need to do is recognize that worry and anxiety is actually sin and it is something that needs to be rooted out of your life. So obviously the the person who asked this question understands that maybe some of our other listeners don't. Maybe maybe they would say, well, that's the way I'm wired. I'm a worrier, right? And they're owning it, saying that's how God made me. Well, God made us all and we're all sinners and he's told us to root some of this sin out of our lives. So, Which which also means he's given us the power to do so. Yes, absolutely. So that means you can overcome the fact that you're a worrier or you're somebody who is anxious. If you can't see, Chris is doing air quotes right oh, yeah. now. That's bad radio. <laughs> yeah, right? That's bad radio. Bad radio is air quotes. But yes, that means it means because this is a sin issue, it's not, it's not a different type of issue. It's a sin issue, yeah. which means it can be rooted out of your heart and changed because you have been given a new heart if you're in Christ, which means you can overcome these things because you're now dead to them. Right. And, and the formula that the Bible gives to be transformed, so in this case from a warrior to someone who does not worry, from somebody full of anxiety uh, to somebody who's not full of anxiety is, yeah, to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So let's see what the Bible has to say about how you should be thinking about your worry and your anxiety. Before we get back into that, did you notice that I'm trying to make Romaning, Romaning it? So like he's Romans us, he dropped Romans on us as a, like a, like a verb. Did you notice I, that? I did. Not Are you want my help on this or? Yeah, I think you need to start doing that <laughs> okay, as you okay. preach. I'll see what I can do. Nice. I'll see what I can do. All right, let's continue. So verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They never sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. So one of the things that I would say um, is what we need to do to overcome anxiety and worry is to um, let the Bible argue with your intellect. So what I mean by that is that the Bible here and Jesus is laying out arguments for why you shouldn't be worrying. And so the way that you overcome worrying or the way you overcome anxiety is by using these biblical arguments and reading the Bible, arguing with the Bible against your worry, against your anxiety. So one of the first things that uh, it says is who by worrying can add a single hour to your life. So one of the first arguments to uh, your mind about why you shouldn't be worrying is because worrying doesn't accomplish anything. So you can stay up all night thinking about the financial situation that you're in, or you can stay up all night worrying about, um, you know, whether or not your kid is going to be safe on their field trip tomorrow, you know, wherever at school. You can do that, but that doesn't actually change the situation. Worrying, thinking about it, dwelling on it, being full of anxiety, being fearful, it doesn't, it doesn't change the situation. So you're doing something unproductive. You're doing something that doesn't actually help. So that's one of the first things that it says. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's important to remember too, when you're when you're thinking about those negative things, what are, what are you actually? What's the underlying issue there? It isn't it isn't really that you're worried about the situation. What you're really worried about is that you're not trusting in the promises that God has already given you that he will give you your daily bread, that he will be sovereign over all. We, we know these things. We say them in practice. We say them to ourselves. But when you're worrying and you're anxious about these little things like your food, your finances, you're, what you're really saying is that you're, you don't trust God for 
those things to be provided to you. And I think that, like, as we said, it's sin. And once I think part of the way I combat this is that I, I have to, I have to harmonize what I believe. I can't say God is sovereign and then worry about every detail of my right. life. That's I can't say absolutely right. You, you just can't do it. it does, they don't, they don't work together. Right. So you have to, which one do I believe more that, that this trouble is going to hold me down or, or is God sovereign? Well, the Bible is overwhelmingly clear that God is sovereign. So, and I trust it to be inerrant. So therefore I, if I can't, I can't do this if I believe this, it's just, and I, I know that might seem too black and white for some of our listeners, but that's one step of the way that I right. don't struggle with this. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So I, I would say that, um, the, the overriding principle there is recognizing God's sovereignty, meaning that whatever it is that you have to worry about, whether it's difficult financial situation, whether it's difficult relationship with your spouse or, or, uh, or, you know, kids that you're worrying about, God is sovereign, meaning he is in charge of all the details. That doesn't mean that you don't have responsibility. The Bible is also very clear that man's responsibility works in conjunction with God's sovereignty in some way that our minds can't wrap around completely. But the point here is that if God is sovereign, then he is the one who is worrying about all those details. And now he's not worrying in the sense that we're worrying. I'm, I'm anthropomorphizing a little bit. But what I mean is God's the one who holds those details in his hand. You don't, which means you don't have to worry over every single detail because God's got it. Exactly. And, and the point is, you know, you can't add a single day to your life. God has your days numbered. God has the days numbered of your children god has every penny in your bank accounted for god has those details in his hand you don't and so the point there is trusting god with it and so recognizing that the time you spend worrying and just thinking about and mulling over and being fearful of those that that this particular circumstance the more time you spend doing that is less time you're spending praying to the one who's actually in control (laughs) and that's the point is uh, so number one, read the Bible and argue with your your worry. The second thing I would say is is pray to the one who's actually sovereign over these details. Turn your worry into prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's interesting too. So one of the other things that God says is um, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what this isn't saying, this isn't a high-octane health, wealth, and prosperity gospel message. What this means is that God, and this is what he says, your Heavenly Father knows you need this stuff. He knows what your needs are. And and you and I have talked before about what's the difference between my needs and my wants, right? But he says, I know what you need. Seek first the kingdom and I'll add to you. I'll I'll provide for you is essentially what he's saying. That doesn't mean he's going to give you everything that you want or everything that you ask for. What that means is, is that you, if you live your life focused on the mission of God, then your needs will be accounted for in order to carry out that mission. In other words, you're not going to be lacking anything that you need in order to carry out that mission. I think one of the reasons why so many people, especially in North America, struggle with worry and anxiety and fear is because they're living lives that are focused on peripheral things in life, not on mission. If they're focused more on the mission, then the amount of finances, the amount of stuff, all all those kinds of concerns— Um, that become the forefront when you're not on mission, they fall away because your life's about the mission and those things become periphery and you're not worrying about them and God is providing them. So I I think that's the other thing is number four. So if number one is argue, argue with your anxiety and worry using the Bible, read the Bible to your worry. If number two is um, God is sovereign over all those details, so turn your worry into prayer. Number three would be live your life on mission and doing what God has commanded you to do because then all the things that you think are want or think are needs become wants that you don't want as much as the mission. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it, I think it's interesting in this in this passage too that God, like Jesus, is very much contrasting. Like you worry about clothes, but I've given a bird something more and more beautiful than you could ever right. clothe yourself. I think it's. It's, it's interesting if we just start thinking about, as you said, argue with yourself using scripture, use those arguments to realize, to realize these things. And I think another thing that we should talk, we should touch on here is that we get this backwards a lot with ourselves. We think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to accomplish the mission once I get a big enough house to hold a small group. Right. Yeah. Once I good point. get all these things that I can do. Whereas yeah. like, no, 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 the, 
the scripture is telling us, do those things and what you need for those things, right. I will give to you once you're right. fulfilling the purpose that I've called you to do. Right. And I think that's, again, backwards thinking, especially in North America, backwards thinking about right. what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Yeah, that's a good so, point. I, I think that... I think that's a, a really good point. I think that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. We see that even in in, in very like small practical ways. You you have a a society now that would say, oh, you know, get established, have your career, get financially situated, and then start having kids. Well, yeah. the Bible tells you to start a family and and to raise your children to love God and all that kind of stuff, not to get situated, make sure you have enough money and enough comfort and all this kind of stuff. It tells you what to do, and so. Um, so we do that in a lot of ways, like, like you're saying, you know, I'll, I'll get to the mission once I get everything else secure and God's saying the opposite. No, no, live your life on mission and I'll make sure you have what you need. Yeah, exactly. You look and you look at that. He has your days numbered, right? If you, if you live that way, you'll never get to the place where you're comfortable to start all those other things. Right. And we hear that we, people like you can't start to having, you're never ready to start having kids. Nobody right. ever gets to that point. You just have to do it. Yeah. Um, so then the last piece, so the four pieces of advice here, and the last piece of advice comes in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I think this is probably the most the most practical advice. And if Christians can understand this principle, I think it'll really help with their their worry and their anxiety. And that is, don't bring tomorrow's troubles into today. Um, there's a very, uh, there, there's a principle that is laced throughout scripture. It's, it's best encapsulated in the, in the story of, uh, the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and God feeding them with manna, right? Manna was the, the bread that kind of fell from the sky and God commanded them, don't take enough for tomorrow, take enough for today. And, uh, and there were some of course that disobeyed and, and it, it rotted, right? It, it didn't last a full day, uh, the, until the next day. The point there of what God was trying to teach his people, I'm going to give you your daily bread, right? I'm going to give you what you need today for today, because I want you to trust that I'm going to give you for tomorrow, what you need for tomorrow. And so the point is, if you worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow, well, God hasn't given you what you need in order to deal with tomorrow's troubles. It says here, sufficient for each day is its own trouble. So the point here is that God gives you the grace to deal with situations in the moment. And I'm sure most of our listeners can think of a time in their life when something happened and it seemed like, you know, something horrible. And, and maybe maybe it was, you know, some sort of tragic accident or it, maybe a near-death experience. Horrible, right? It might have like, Yeah, it, it could have been whatever. And... Over and over again, I hear from Christians testimonies of, well, God's grace was so good. It got us through it. And you, you reflect back on that and you say, I, you know, I didn't worry. I wasn't full of fear. I wasn't this. I wasn't that because God was so present. He was so there. And then we wonder why, you know, when we're worrying about the problems for tomorrow, why that grace isn't there. Well, why hasn't God given me the grace to deal with this thing that I'm worrying about next week? Well, it's because God is trying to teach you a principle that is, receive from him what you need today to deal with today and trust him that tomorrow he'll give you what you need for tomorrow. So when you bring tomorrow's troubles into today, you're trying to deal with tomorrow's troubles on today's grace. And today's grace is for today's problems. Tomorrow's grace is for tomorrow's problems. Yeah. And exactly. And don't, and so often when we're talking about things, don't, don't take the idea of tomorrow's problems and start making them up. You know what I mean? I don't know how to word that any better, but so often we worry about things that are hypotheticals. And totally. so people who are, who are in this trap, the sin trap, will start thinking, well, tomorrow's going to be this, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. Well, if those things happen, God, we're, as we're saying here, God will give you the grace needed to deal with those things tomorrow, the day after, the day after. But those things might not happen. Right. So focus on what is actually going on today. What yeah. what is the problems of today? What is the and the grace that you're getting to deal with whatever you're dealing with today? And if you can get your mind into that focus, that singular focus on dependence on God today to get through today, worry and anxiety, you won't have time to do it yeah. because you'll be so overwhelmed with the grace of God today. Right. So that's great. 
So those are kind of our four pieces of advice on how to overcome worry and anxiety and fear. Number one, uh, argue with your worry and fear by reading the Bible to your worry, to your fear, to your anxiety. Um, number two is God is sovereign. So turn your worry and your anxiety into praying to the one who holds all these details in his hand. Number three, live your life on mission, doing the things that God commands you to do. Uh, and he will take care of your needs along the way so that all the things you're worrying about become peripheral issues. And the fourth one is don't t- bring tomorrow's troubles into today and try to live on today's grace for tomorrow's troubles. Uh, so those are kind of our, our pieces of advice. Hopefully that helps those who are uh, listening and uh, might struggle with uh, fear and anxiety and worry. And uh, and I'll just, uh, you know, Chris, I'll put you on the spot with a, a Christian life hack here. And uh, my Christian life hack for you would be, um, how do you, uh, in terms of your conversations with your wife, um, how do you work through anxiety and worry and fear with her? Uh, the the truth is the the only way we can combat this this sin is by what like you said the very first point the very first and second point really combined trust reiterate to ourselves and to together what do we believe we believe that this is the inerrant word of scripture which means when Jesus says do not be anxious that's a command do not be recognize that it's a sin issue but then the the focal point there is what does Worry and anger, worry and anxiety. What does that combat against? It combats against the belief that we have that God is sovereign. And so, as long as we continue to lift up God's sovereignty over circumstances, things in our lives, then we can help combat these things in each other. And so, one of the things that we've learned from another couple, but we have implemented over the last year in our lives, is whenever one of us starts to do this you know, bunny trail, it's, you know, if this leads to this, this or this or this, or, or or if the sky will fall, exactly. The sky is going to fall is just to reiterate the phrase. Well, God is sovereign, which means, and we don't have to explain it to each other. We know what that means. So just the other person just says it. And what does that do? It it reworks our mind. It renews our mind in the proper way of thinking that you're right. God is sovereign. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks uh, for sharing that, Chris. And uh, thanks to all our listeners for joining us. Uh, we just want to remind you once again to find our posts on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, and share them, like them, um, try to get the content out to your sphere of influence. And uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or any podcast catcher, uh, try to rate the show and give us a review. It, uh, it helps immensely. Thanks so much. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing here. And uh, keep your questions coming. Take care. Take care.